0: The reading is from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 to 7. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are pressured, precious and honoured in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: you very much for doing that reading. Um, just, oh, thank you. Just before I begin, apologies for that uh, interaction with Bessie. The script may or may not have been written in a sleep-deprived frenzy yesterday, so the puns were not Bessie's fault. Um, just before I start, can we just pray briefly? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for ...the privilege of gathering in your name. Father, I pray that you would bless the words and reflections on your word that I have today. That they would speak to us. Amen. So, thank you for having me back again. I last was up here in October. I would like to apologise for going back to Isaiah. I promise I do occasionally read other books of the Bible. um, But when I was discussing with Mike and Jane, or Mum and Dad what I would like to share today, Um, this passage just kept coming back to me. It is rich and it is beautiful and I believe that it reveals so much about God's character. And it provides a really helpful framework for me today to share a bit of my testimony of what God has been doing in my life over the last year, but particularly over the last six months. I want to explore this passage with you today in order to encourage you, to help build you up, and to share what I have learned about God's character. It is not an opportunity for me to big myself up or to show how perfect I am. Quite the contrary. I think today I will reveal quite a lot of my brokenness to you. Um, but the beauty is that God can be glorified even in my broken self. Um, And I hope that speaking my story and sharing it today will help us all to see more of God and his amazing character. So in the words of Paul in 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. But before we get into the meat of Isaiah, before we sort of dig into this passage I think it's important for us to take a step back and look at the style that is being written in. The Bible is written in lots of different literary styles. There's poetry, there's history, and in the case of Isaiah, there's prophecy. We have to take a moment to understand specifically who is being spoken to in this passage and by whom. And I think we can also appreciate that because of the richness of the Bible, the spirit Breathed word that even though Isaiah was speaking to a very specific group of people in a very specific historical context, what is revealed about who God is and the promises that God makes to people in covenantal relationship with Him, people who are promised and held by Him, remain still today and apply to us today as well. I don't want to just share some feel good sound bites from the Old Testament. Instead, I want to talk about the deep truths of what this passage says about God and what this passage has said specifically to me, but I think can apply for all of us over the last six months. So as any good minister's daughter will do, I'm going to do a three-point talk. So my three points today, are, firstly, God is with us in the waiting. Secondly, God is in the pressing and the present presence. And thirdly, God is in the unexpected. So to begin in the waiting. But now, those are the words that begin this passage for us. I don't know about you, but whenever I come across these words in the Bible, I get shivers down my spine. They are so indicative of a shift in tone or a narrative, and they beg the question, what was before now? Where are we shifting from and to? We flip back in our Bibles today, if we flip back to chapters 40 through to sort of the middle of chapter 42, we find these beautiful descriptions of God's care and love for his people, his desire to comfort them. Many of you may know those really famous verses from the beginning of chapter 40, comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. But then, when we get to chapter 42, about verse 18, we see our first shift in tone. Here we see about God's anger and frustration at his people, who he describes as blind, inattentive, sinfully disobedient, and spiritually uncomprehending and insensitive. But now. The ongoing theme in my life over the last six months, particularly the last six months of 2021, was waiting. Waiting on jobs, waiting on paperwork, waiting on test results. We've all been there in the last two years. And waiting on God. Those of you who know me well will be aware that I am not a particularly patient waiter. And this was definitely true during this time. I can see so much of myself in the description of the unruly Israelites in chapter 42. I had my own agenda, my own plan, a specific timeline of events. I was going on deployment with MSF as soon as possible. Thank you very much. I wanted to be obedient to God's call on my life, yes, but I wanted to do it on my own terms. I was a grumpy toddler, and still am in many ways, spiritually, but also sometimes literally, as my mother will tell you. I was stomping around before God, complaining about these constant disappointments I felt I was facing. The falling through of placements, lack of progress, a sense of feeling like I was stuck in a limbo type place. And I couldn't see the ways in which God was, in fact, shaping, pruning, nourishing, healing, doing all these things in me in this season of waiting. I was blind to all of that. But now. My but now moment didn't come when I got the call about this specific job. It actually came a few weeks earlier, at a point where I felt at my lowest and actually surrendered to God. It came when I decided to hand over control to the one who both created and formed me, as it so beautifully describes, not only at the beginning of our passage, but also at the end. It's reflected on either side of these verses today. Created and formed me as an individual, but also us as a collective. His people, his children, here in Bigger, in Black Mountain, where I was earlier today, and also in South Sudan. Who formed us in his image and then shapes us like a potter shapes clay. By his loving hand. I was waiting for the fulfillment of my own plans. But how much better are the plans of the one who created and formed me? But now. Moving on to my second point. The pause and the press. Throughout my life I've been particularly blessed and privileged. To have some amazing counselors around me. People of faith. Real prayer warriors, I see some of them out in the congregation today, um, who've stood by me. And I had some brilliant conversations in that six month period. And I can think of one in particular. It was a phone call with my church leader in London, Tanya. And I was at a crossroads that day on the phone. I was facing decisions about whether to wait for another job to come up, whether to push on with jobs here in Scotland whether to do something completely different or whether to go back and do some more studying. And I was particularly whiny and moany on that phone call, I am sure. And Tanya's response was not to give me direction, not to tell me what to do, which is what I really wanted her to do. Instead, it was to encourage me to pause and press into God. Pause and press into his presence Before making any decisions, before jumping on any plan of action, or jumping on any plane, to stop, to pause, and to press. Others around me also kept encouraging me to turn back to God. I'd put up this wall of anger and frustration at God, and they were telling me to break it down. To press in, even in pain and anguish and frustration. To turn back to God and to take space to listen for his Holy Spirit. To be actively seeking God in the waiting rather than just twiddling my thumbs and being annoyed. To strip away the drivers that didn't align with God's kingdom. My own pride, my own sense of worth, my own desires. To be honest with God about how painful this process was being. And to know that that pain was in fact growing pains. As he shaped and molded me in that time. In that process, I realized that I had several deeply held fears. The first was that I was just simply not good enough, that I was too broken to be of service to God. And the second, more painful, was that God had abandoned me, that even though I was well-fed and in a lovely house and surrounded by my wonderful family, God had just closed the door on all those promises and that sense of calling he had given me. It sounds overdramatic at the time, but at the, in the moment, and from my diary entries, which are quite cringy to read back now, it felt like all these doors were being shut in my face. But it was when I paused and pressed, and actually it was during my Advent readings as I prepared for Christmas, that this passage from Isaiah just kept coming back up. I kept being drawn back to it. Twice in this passage, God speaks directly into the fear of the Israelites. Do not be afraid, in verse 1 and verse 5. To a people facing physical suffering at the hands of a great enemy nation, facing displacement and loss and separation from family, but also facing that fear of abandonment. God says, I am the God of all comfort and love. Do not be afraid. I am with you. Through everything, God promises his presence to the Israelites in Exodus and also to us today by his spirit. Verse 2, which I will read now, clearly connects the passages We've been looking at over the last few weeks in Exodus um, with this passage today. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. This is imagery that would have been so potent to the Israelites as people speaking directly into their history into the crossing of the Red Sea, into their exodus through the desert, following God's flaming um, cloud of fire. But also, I think it speaks to the power of God's presence with us now. When I found out where I was going on deployment, specifically to the country I will be going to, I was struck again by these verses. God's people are already in the place that I am going to. And for them who have faced so much suffering, even in the last decade, if not before, the suffering and imagery of flooding, of water, of fire, speaks to their own experience of a painful and often bloody conflict. The burning down of hospitals and homes. And just as God's presence was promised to his people in exile in Babylon, so God's promise of presence is with his people in South Sudan. And as I pressed into God in that time of waiting and limbo and fearing abandonment, I was aware of the power of that presence. Thirdly, expect the unexpected. So on the 23rd of December, I received a phone call. I had a job. It was confirmed and all the lights were turning green. My heart was fit to burst, fizzing with excitement, but I was also quite shell-shocked. This had seemingly come out of nowhere. My last contact with my manager had been back in November. We'd agreed to pause on seeking new jobs to come back in January and reconvene. I was sort of settling in a bit more into Edinburgh, into work, into an amazing small group that I had joined. And yet, there I was, huddled by the side of the ice rink on George Street, which is a totally different story. You can come and ask me about it later if you want. Saying yes down the phone, my heart exploding. Saying yes to a position far better suited to my skills and experience than any that had come before. Saying yes to my manager in that phone conversation. But perhaps more importantly, saying yes to God. His plans for my life, saying yes to them. Saying yes to the God who in Isaiah 29 verse 28 is described as wonderful, whose wisdom is magnificent. Saying yes to the one who had called me by name. For this but most importantly, as his child. And as I said in the beginning, this book was written by Isaiah for a specific people at a specific time. But it was written for the people of God. And the beauty of the Bible and the beauty of the Holy Spirit is that as his people now, it speaks to us. And it asks us for our yes. See in verse one, God promises to redeem His people from exile, to pay the ransom for them, not because they have earned or deserved it, but because they are precious and honoured in His sight, because they are part of a covenant relationship with God. As a people, they are connected to God through His promises, not through any work of His own, of their own. And although we are not Israelites in the Old Testament, We are also part of a covenant relationship with God through Jesus. Jesus, through his sacrifice on the cross, his death, and his resurrection, has redeemed us in the same way that God has promised to redeem the Israelites in Isaiah. So, to pull all these things together, through this last year, I have been struck by the faithfulness of God in seasons of waiting. Even when our hearts are hardened and we can't see in the moment what he is doing. I have been struck by the power of God's presence when we choose to pause and press into him. And I have been struck by, the wonder, by a wonder at how God works through and in the unexpected. God who sent his son, Jesus, as a child in an unexpected way, who promises to redeem his people in their exile, but also offers them spiritual redemption from their sin. Just pray to end. Father, thank you that you promise to be present with us, that in seasons of waiting and limbo and uncertainty, you are there. Father, thank you that you promise, just as you promised the Israelites, not to abandon us, but to be with us. Father, thank you that you long for us to pause and press into you. And Father, thank you that you do work so brilliantly and wonderfully in the unexpected. Amen. Amen.